Should Christians war against culture? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Pursuit, a Crosspoint City Church podcast that pursues a deeper dive into the scripture from last week's sermon. I'm Will Goodwin, and I'm here with our lead pastor, James Griffin. Good to have you back. Yeah. Two, two weeks off, man. No, nah, well, no, we got to share. We got lots <laughs> of smart people around uh, here, so yeah. uh, I enjoy doing it, but you know, got to get, Lane does great, Brad does yeah, great, yeah. you know. Yeah, those guys We got to get it. Jason in here too, but he's off this week. So. Yeah, yeah. All right, now before we get started, I want to give a special shout out to listeners that we have in Williston, North Dakota. Now, there's not a lot in North Dakota. I was going to ask, right? yeah. And this is it, it, this is like technically the sixth most populous city. So it's already in just, North Dakota. Yes, okay. right. So you got Fargo. All right. And four others <laughs> than Williston. Do you even know any other city names in North Dakota? I don't. Not off the top okay, of my head. Okay, that's awesome. Not off the top of my head. There's probably a, a Greenville. Or Columbus, <laughs> maybe one of those places that's in every state, right? Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, but there's a there's a uh, there's a really big lake, man-made lake reservoir, uh, Sakakawea, if I'm saying that right. All right. Uh, and it's right at the end of it, and it's it's north of Theodore Roosevelt National Park, which is really amazing, actually, because if you go from Fargo, like you're going to Montana, and we did this, my family did this, okay, and you're just driving on, I think it's Interstate 94, whatever it is, or some some highway. Um, you come to Theodore Roosevelt National Park, it's a big national park, and it's it's beautiful. But anyway, it's above that. Okay. All right. Now there's some so, so the the North Dakota Miss North Dakota pageant. All right. Is held in Williston, not right. the other five most populous. It's held in Williston, which is interesting. Do you know why they picked this I, place? I, I don't. I okay. don't know. Maybe right. because of the lake. I don't know. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. But here, but here's the here's the most interesting. One of the most interesting people that have come out of Williston, North, North Dakota, is the most w- winningest NBA coach. I believe he's the most winningest NBA coach. Okay. Phil Jackson, 11 All championships. Right. Yes. He's got too many rings, His man. hometown is, is Williston, North Dakota. That's crazy. Yeah, right? I had no idea. I did not know that's where Who he was would from. Know? North Dakota. Right? Yes. That's pretty amazing. That's yeah. a that's a legit claim to fame right there. I think so. I think so. The the NBA coach with 11 rings. Uh-huh. They need a giant yeah. statue of Phil Jackson and like a 11 rings go around him like a big circle. <laughs> Welcome to Williston. <laughs> uh, that's so good. Yeah. We should put in for that. All start right. a, start a petition oh, for a statue. It. That's it. We'll do it. I we'll love it. it. Well, hey, friend, our friends in Williston, thank you for listening. Thank you so much. Now let's get to the let's get to the good stuff. Right, John fifteen, right. we yep. wrapped it up this week. Give us a quick summary. Yeah, super encouraging, heartwarming sermon about being hated by the world. So that <laughs> yeah, right. that was the title of the sermon, "Hated by the World." And I uh, spent a little bit of time up front talking about three words to really lay the foundation for the sermon. We, we talked about world because it's used a lot of different ways in the New Testament. Same word, but it's used in a variety of ways. And the way that John uses it in John 15 is to describe this system that is at enmity with God. And it's a system established by Satan himself. It robs people of life. It robs God of glory that he rightfully deserves. And so Jesus's point in the text is that as his followers, we will be hated by that system and we will be persecuted by people who belong to that system. And so hate, you know, we talked about the, the two sides of this same coin. At times it can mean active opposition. At other times it can mean passive dismissal. And then to persecute means to chase or to pursue or to drive out. 
And again, this will be our experience in the world as we seek to follow after Jesus. And and I ended the sermon by talking about three responses, how the scriptures call us to bless and endure, to rejoice and be glad, and to unite and pray. And so in the face of hatred and persecution, this is what we do. We don't repay evil for evil, and we don't treat people like they treat us, but we bless them, and we endure suffering and persecution faithfully, and we rejoice in the fact that the kingdom of heaven is ours, that our reward in the kingdom will be great. And then as believers in Christ, we got to rally together and pray that God would continue to give us boldness and courage to, to persist and to persevere. But yeah, like I said, very heartwarming, very encouraging, <laughs> but... But this is just the reality of it. And and I think in our culture, we're starting to feel it more than ever before. So we, we need it. Yeah. And, and I think he, in America, in the Western world, we, we talk about persecution. It's it's light. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and that was a highlight. One of, the, one of the things that you mentioned this weekend was to point out the thousands, the tens of thousands of Christians that are persecuted around the world, voice yeah, the martyrs. Right. And that was very special to pray over them. But you talk specifically about some persecuted believers that you met in Africa. Right, right. right? So now do you do you have other stories or can you go further? Let, tell us yeah. some more about that, about persecuted believers that, that you yeah. encountered. Yeah, I mean, I, I just jotted down two of the countries where we work as the examples. And, and if I thought longer about this, I could probably come up with more, but... You know, Burkina Faso is a country that is near and dear to me. I don't know if a, a lot of people know this, but I actually serve as the president of a nonprofit called Engage West Africa. And and what we do is we pull together churches to work in these West African countries to invest in pastors, to do evangelism, to plant churches, to drill water wells. We send mission teams. And so the two countries, again, that we're presently in are Burkina Faso and Guinea. Burkina Faso, we've been working there for years and God, man, we've seen God move in extraordinary ways in Burkina. We have seen unreached people groups come off the unreached people groups list just because the gospel's taken hold and there have been thousands and thousands of lives changed there. It's been unreal. But very sadly, in recent years, a lot of, terroriz- a lot of terrorism excuse me, has bled into the country from surrounding countries, um, Mali, uh, Niger, I believe, Nigeria. I, I can't remember all the ones that are right around there, but but some of these countries have been under terrorist control for many, many years, and this is now happening in Burkina. 80% of the country is now under terrorist control. So, man, just mm-hmm. some stories. A few years ago, I think this was 16, 2016, 2017, we had a missionary that we were working with in Burkina um, named Mike Rittering, super, super incredible guy. And Mike and his wife, they were running an orphanage at the time, and he was on the way to the airport to pick up a mission team that that was coming to serve with him. And on the way to the airport, he stopped at a cafe in the capital city, Ouagadougou, to meet with a local pastor, a Burkina Bay pastor. And while he was there, um, there was a terrorist attack that took place at the cafe where he Mm. was meeting this pastor. And they came in targeting Westerners and targeting white people. And, um, and Mike lost his life in that terrorist attack. Mm. It's heartbreaking. It was shocking. And, um, you know, that, that's not the only thing that's happened in Burkina. We have two missionary families from our church, Joel and Amanda Griffin and, and, uh, Gordon and Katie Tipton, who both started doing ministry in Burkina Faso. And because of what we're talking about, they've actually been driven out. They've been pursued. They've had to relocate. Joel and Amanda are now in Guinea, and the Tiptons are now in Liberia doing work there. And so, man, we've, we've seen it, and people that we know and love have, have felt it and experienced it in ways that a lot of us haven't. 
Uh, I would say in addition, there have been a lot of Burkina Bay pastors over the years that we have worked with, just going out into these bush villages, planting churches, drilling wells. Uh, many of these guys that I know personally have been driven out of their villages, homes taken over, fields taken over, no place to live. I mean, these people are, are refugees in their own country. And even recently, we had one of the guys in our network there. We work with all these indigenous pastors, and one of these guys was killed in a terrorist attack. So he was captured, kidnapped, um, believer in Christ, faithful man of God. And because he didn't go along with the program, but tried to get away, they, they killed the guy, took his life. So all of this, it's crazy. All of this is still happening right. in our world today. Um, you know, in Guinea, the, the woman that I met, and I shared a little bit of her story over the weekend, the woman that I met and our team met in one of the villages, this was a lady who came to faith in Jesus Christ, and um, her husband was a Muslim, family was Muslim. She comes to faith, and she participated in a Christian wedding in her church, and all she did was cook food. She just helped with the meal, right? Her family found out about it, and because of her faith and her participa participation in this Christian wedding, husband divorced her, took the kids from her, and then her own parents and ex-husband lured her into a situation. She thought she was coming to have a conversation, whatever. Uh, lured her into a situation where they beat her, they electrocuted her, mm. attempted to take this woman's life, all because of her faith in Jesus Christ. So she's been abandoned by all these people in her life that are meant to love her, and the church has taken her in. But again, what's crazy to me is that, that this is still happening in our world today. You know, one thing that I failed to mention, and I thought I would say this on the podcast, the, the persecuted uh, or the pastor that works with all these persecuted believers that we met in Guinea, incredible guy. He, he, he has this property where he houses some of these folks. And our church back last year actually dug the water well on the property where wow, these persecuted on. believers are being housed, which I'm so proud of, of our church for that. You know, all you people that give to fund the mission of Crosspoint so faithfully each week, I want you to know you help to pay for that. Like you help to fund a well for persecuted believers across the world. And so I'm just grateful for, for things that we get to do to support our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, like you said, even that moment of prayer at the end of the gathering was so powerful this week yeah. where we just got out these prayer cards from the Voice of the Martyrs and looked these people in the face and prayed for them by name. And I am just trusting and believing that somehow they felt our prayers. Mm. Um, but these people matter immensely, and we just got to be aware of this because, I mean, you said it earlier, man. I mean, I, I just don't think we really understand persecution. Oh, yeah. You no, know. yeah, we get frustrated because, you know, Target decides to change their bathroom policy. We're persecuted. <laughs> We're persecuted. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. It is not the same thing. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Then. Okay. Let's talk about what hatred and persecution does look like okay. in our culture. All right. Well, you gave an example. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that counts. I want to, it counts. Okay, we'll mark it. Um, and I want to hear your thoughts on this too. But, you know, I, I think for the most part right now in our culture, hatred and persecution simply looks like passive dismissal. And mm. I talked about this quite a bit in the sermon. You know, passive dismissal, the hatred that Jesus describes can just look like people shrugging us off, dismissing us, ignoring us, acting like we don't exist, acting like we don't matter. I think where we are, that's a lot of it. You know, it's people looking at Christians and going, ah, those people are weird, they're crazy, I don't know why anybody would believe that stuff. And we are just dismissed for the most part. 
Uh, I don't know that we have reached the point of active opposition or true persecution yet. People driving us out, pursuing us. Maybe that day will come. I don't know, man. I've, I've talked and we've talked internally about this. Like even as a pastor, I just wonder if there's coming a day when if I refuse to do a certain type of wedding, if like tax exemptions are taken away or, right, right, we've talked about this, which again, that's still not the same as like your spouse leaving you and your family trying to kill you. And it's right, it's very light comparatively speaking. But uh, I think the closest that we probably get in our culture to active opposition, that kind of hatred is what you see on social media. People get really brave behind keyboards you know, people say behind keyboards what they would never say to you face-to-face if you were, like, stuck in an elevator with them, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, people want to get on Facebook and Instagram and write their blog posts and slam Christians and say all kinds of evil, hateful things. I think that's about as intense as it gets for us right now where we are. So passive dismissal, you know, people want to berate us online and, and hate on us online, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know that it gets much worse than that for us. I mean, what do you think, man? Well, I think in, in the political realm, I think that there's there's probably a little more violence. There's been attacks on like pregnancy centers and things like that. Right? Yeah, yeah. You you get into a crowd and you're 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 you're, you're peacefully protesting against some other protest or something else, and you're you're you're. Uh, um, communicating your beliefs or, or that, that you are a Christian or whatever. I mean, yeah. There's plenty of stories of people who will come after you and be attacked. So there's, there, there's some of that, right? Yeah. But, I, but I do think for, for, for most people, they think about uh, persecution. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't scale the same, right, for right. the kind of stuff that's really happening around the world to our brothers and sisters in Christ. But, it, but there is still a weight, right, that you oh, feel yeah. because like, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to be, I don't want to be associated with these these bad people, but I do want to stand my ground. And yeah. now people are going to be mad if I say these certain things or do whatever. And it's like this weird tension that we're in about how do we, how do we truly uh, um, be Christian and 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 be like Jesus, but but also not push people away or, yeah, yeah. or offend or whatever. And and uh, I mean, I just I think I'm chasing a rabbit just a little bit when I say this, but like I think a lot of times that that. When you look at what is 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 dividing, yeah. you've got people on on one side of a political aisle that will say, "Well, we're supposed to be taking care of the poor. We're supposed to be helping those that that are in need." And you have other people who are like, "Well, you know, just pick yourself up by your bootstraps." And it's like, "Okay, well, <laughs> yeah. you know, like like Jesus was not Democrat or Republican, right? right. And if, if we, but if so, if we truly lived like Jesus, yeah. th- that's what I think that we would, you know, more people's minds might be changed, but I think also more." more division might be dug in. And that's just what you see in other countries. Like, no, no, it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter how nice you are. It doesn't matter how kind or compassionate. We disagree with you to the point that we're willing to to put a knife to your throat and live stream it on Facebook. Yep, yep, that's right. And that's an extreme that that we just haven't tasted. We may not ever taste. But um, the the tension will always be there, I think, in in, in the culture when you're trying to be counterculture. Yeah. yeah. No, I I think you're right. And, And, you know, kind of, to piggyback for a moment, I think that's why the church is so important. Like, you know, one of our convictions here at Crosspoint is that we need each other, mm. and and we do, and and the church is is a countercultural movement that's, that's of right. God that's within right. the world, and and we just have to know as we live lives that are faithful to Christ, we will be rejected in ways, whether it's someone trying to kill us 
or someone just shrugging us off and dismissing us in, in the sermon a couple of weeks ago, I talked about loneliness and how the Surgeon General of the United States called loneliness an epidemic, a public health crisis. And I do think that's a great fear in a lot of people and, and even believers is like, okay, well, if I take a stand or if I say this, or if I live this kind of life, I will be lonely because people will reject me and cast me out and want nothing to do with me. And again, this is the beauty of the church. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like the world can reject us and the world can hate us, but there's this other group of people here that that are the safe people for us. And, and we've got to walk together. You know, in studying for this sermon, I came across this article from C.S. Lewis and he talked about the inner ring and how this this inner ring of people, this this ring of people that we really want to be a part of, it's usually that inner ring that persuades us to live certain ways, to say certain things, to not mm. say certain things. The church has to be our inner ring. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Um, we can't try to make the world our inner ring alongside the church being our inner right. ring. And, and it has to be enough that we belong to this people, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. And, and yeah, we got to pull together, man, because the reality is the world will cast us out and pursue us and drive us away. So to know there's always a people we can run back to, that's what gives us great comfort in the midst of, of the difficulty that we face, you know? Yeah. 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 I, and that's a great segue to the next question I want to ask, but real quick, yeah, just something yeah. that came to mind. Have you read the book, uh, The Insanity of God, Nick Ripkin? I haven't read the whole thing. I've read a portion of it. I own it, but I haven't read the whole thing. Well, one of the things that came to mind, it's, it's a fantastic book. I yeah. highly recommend it. That's not his real name, right? Because like, yep, yep. all the places he's been... But you read that book, and, and and I can't help, and maybe this is an extreme thought, but I can't help but want to pray for persecution, like mm-hmm. to pray for the, the 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 chaos that comes when there's there's real persecution, real division. Because what you see, like uh, uh, right now, right now around the world, Christianity is thriving yep. in areas where you wouldn't right. think that it should. And in, and and in, we're you know concerned about very mild things right uh, push back on on some some Christian culture in the Western world a- and uh, but where where people are are literally risking their lives they're they're yeah. having church in in basements they're yeah. sharing single pieces of paper from a Bible that someone smuggled across the border like that kind of stuff it's amazing to, to read that book and listen to the stories and one of the stories real quick was just how when when it, when Christianity was illegal in Russia uh, there, there was a point in time where, where, where teenagers were, were able to put together base, essentially the Gospels mm. from memory of their stories read by their parents who were just trying to keep the truth in front of them when yeah. they couldn't do it publicly. They couldn't have both, right? Wow. And then one generation removed, you have teenagers that couldn't quote Scripture. Yeah. And yeah. all the difference was Christianity became legal. Mm. And so it, there is a little bit of attention. Like, right, I mean, right. persecution might not be a bad thing. Right, right. It might not be a bad thing. Yeah. Well, you look at what happened in the book of Acts. Right. It was persecution that forced the church right. to actually go fulfill the Great Commission. Exactly. They were all hunkered down in the city of Jerusalem. Exactly. Just just waiting, and then persecution came, and it was like, okay, we got to go out and, and share this good news with the yeah. world. You know, I said it to somebody over the weekend, the, uh, the light always shines brightest in the darkness. Mm, right. And the truth is what we are starting to experience right now in our culture is pretty much been the norm throughout church history for most Christians in most places in yeah. the world. You know, what we've enjoyed up until this point has been very, very abnormal. And so we're starting to experience what, what has been normal right. for most believers. And right. yeah, it's just figuring out how to live in the midst of this now. Yeah, yeah. It's good. We can dig into that some more, but we'll have to say that for another podcast. Now, <laughs> when we talk about being, uh, you, you talked about the ring, right? And, yeah. and, and, and letting Christ be at the center and, and not 
letting the world do that. So you and you have said this in your sermon that if you're if you're not at odds with the world, then you're at odds with God. Yeah. Right. So where where is the line? How can I can we oppose the world without being I don't know that guy right to the people I'm trying to minister to? Yeah. 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 You know I brought up James four four in the sermon, which talks about how how friendship with the world is enmity with God. Right. And that if you and I are friends with this system that I mentioned earlier, this system that opposes God and and robs God of glory and robs people of life, if we are friendly toward that system, James says that we are enemies of God, okay? So we got to feel the weight and the tension of that. We actually have to make a choice between God and the system because those two things are opposed to one another. And by choosing God, by default, we're opposed to the world and to the contrary, if we choose the world, by default, <laughs> we're opposed to God. Mm. But I would say this, you know, to, to kind of start answering the question, and I said it in the sermon over the weekend, the goal of Christianity is not simply to be at odds with the world, okay? It's not like we wake up every day and we're like, all right, I'm going to go to war. I'm going to just go pick fights to pick fights. Uh, that's not the goal, to, to war against culture for the sake of warring against culture. Mm. And I do know there are Christians who do this and I jokingly said in the sermon, and they complain about being persecuted when they're just jerks, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they're in reality, they're getting what they deserve because they're being obnoxious and they're treating people really, really poorly. That's not the goal of Christianity. The goal is to simply be faithful to Christ in the midst of a culture that opposes him. And when we do that, by default, we are at odds with the world. And so let me try to get at the heart of the question. You, you ask, how do we oppose the world without being that guy or those people, you know? And the simple question is by remaining faithful to Jesus and being faithful to Jesus means that we stand firm in the truth of God's word. And I'll just use the examples I used in the sermon. You know, I talked about some of these social issues that our society continues to front and to talk about. And I just brought up three, there are more than these, but I talked about abortion and marriage and gender and how what we believe as Christians at a very foundational level differs greatly than what the world would believe on these issues, you know? And the Christian worldview, it starts off pretty basic, you know? We believe in a God who is the creator of all things, including life. We believe that God instituted marriage and family, that, that he created men and women, male and female, in his image, mm. gave them the, the mandate to be fruitful and to multiply. Marriage is his institution. It was his idea. Gender is, is his thing. Like, we don't get to mess with any of that stuff. And the world believes something very different. Yeah. We believe life matters, that, that we don't get to take life. We don't give life. We don't get to take. It's all left in the hands of God. That marriage matters, that it serves a gospel purpose. It's meant to put God's love for his people on display and his people's love for him on display. And that the differences between men and women are beautiful differences. These are very good things because it forces us to work in partnership for the sake of our families and our societies and our churches. And when you think about what culture has done just to those three things, it, it's attempted to unravel what God has created and established. Because now as a culture, we say, no, no, life doesn't matter. And, and we can take the lives of unborn babies and not feel bad about it because they're not really babies, you know, they're just clumps of cells and fetuses. And we just try to dehumanize these people that, that mm. are in the wombs of these women so that we can take their lives and do so in good conscience. Um, culture has said marriage is whatever we want it to be. You know, it's, it's, it's no longer an institution that God ordained, but it's this man-made thing that we'll twist and redefine and, you know, 
And the same thing with gender. It's it's no longer binary. We've we've just discarded those categories and now it's this spectrum and you can choose and right. So it's completely different than what we believe as Christians. And I will even say, I believe there's something deeply spiritual going on underneath it all because I believe we have an enemy who knows if he can tear down these very foundational things, life, marriage, and gender. Well, what happens, man? The family crumbles and societies crumble and churches crumble. And so this is no small matter what we're talking about, okay? Now, let me say that in light of what I just said. The people that are actively engaged in the things that I just described, the goal again is not to be opposed to those people. Please hear me. We are called as believers in Christ to love all people, no matter how they're living, no matter what they're believing. But love doesn't mean agreement. And I think this is one of the great lies of our culture, Will, that, well, if I love you, man, I got to agree with everything you believe and, mm. and I have to support everything that you do. And that's just stupid. Like, I mean, it is. I, like, we know it from life experience. We're both parents. Um, loving my kids doesn't mean that I agree with everything they want to do because they want to do some dumb stuff at times. Loving them means sometimes I have to get in their way and, and I speak the truth and I do it graciously and kindly. But as believers in Jesus Christ, our first priority is love for Christ. We have to remain faithful to Christ, even above what our culture would say is love for another person. Like I have to love him and out of my love for him, I then love other people but if I'm loving him, naturally, I'm going to be at odds with certain things that other people want to do. Because if I'm being faithful to Christ and somebody else isn't being faithful to Christ, well, there's, there's opposition happening in that relationship. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. And so this is a very, very fine line, and, and I'm trying to be sensitive to it. You know, I threw out the phrase over the weekend, we're not, we're not of the world, but we are in the world, and that's the tension that we are still caught up in a system that opposes God, but we don't belong to that system. Mm. So here's the truth, and I think somebody needs to hear this. It does not matter how loving you are. If you remain faithful to Christ, you will still be hated for what you believe. You can be the, the kindest person on the planet, so gracious, so compassionate, so tender toward people, but the moment you speak up and you say, no, that's not right, that's wrong. Yep. That doesn't honor God, that dishonors God. We don't get to mess with that because that belongs to him, not to us. It doesn't matter how loving you are, there will be people who hate you for that. Yeah. But again, we take joy in knowing that in our faithfulness to Christ, we are celebrated by him and we are pleasing him. Yeah. You want to add anything to that? No, not really. There's, a, there's an interesting irony, I think, that so much of what is is uh, Judeo-Christian ethic yep. that has found its way in no, you know, empathy, compassion, love, care, yeah. yep, yep, uh, yep. Uh, um, helping those who are poor, helping those who can't help themselves. Um, that, like that, that doesn't exist outside of correct uh, of of what Christ taught, and um, and and so yeah, you you try to live those ways, but then you don't believe a certain thing. It doesn't matter how much of those you're, you're, you're cast out, just like you said. And, yeah. and it's interesting because you can have someone say, love is love, right? Unless you love that thing or right, don't love right, right. me and don't accept me as I am. Yep. Like, well, no, I'm, I'm standing to, to my beliefs. Yeah. Do you love me? No, right. I can't. It's not possible. You know, and that, and that's where it breaks down. It's like, yeah. Well, then love isn't really love. Like right. you can't really say these things, and yeah. it gets it's it's hypocrisy on its face. Well, it's, right? it's like the new tolerance. You know, it's like yeah. oh, we should be tolerant. 
unless you don't tolerate what I tolerate, and then I'm not going to be tolerant of you. Right, which is not tolerance. <laughs> and the, and, yeah, and it is hypocrisy. And to your point, all of these things that get, get pushed by our society and culture, those have been stolen from so, the Christian absolutely, worldview. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I just think about some of the atheistic arguments about, well, we should treat people this way, and we should love people in this Right. Says who? Why, why should why? I do that? Why, yeah. If there's not an objective standard, like by what, by what standard yes. are you telling me exactly. to love that person and exactly. to value that person? I'm supposed, because you tell me to, like yeah. that's it? By, yeah. by what standard am I right. to, oh, well, no, society has voted on it and we've decided that it should be this way. Yeah. Well, what yeah. about the societies across the world that voted differently? Yes. And they said, well, we're not going to do that. And, and no, instead of loving that person, we're going to kill that person for that type of behavior. Like who gets to decide? Yeah. This nation, okay, we can argue all day long, Christian nation or not, it is no longer a Christian nation for sure. Very post-Christian, pagan, secular mm -hmm. nation. But I would argue all day long that the United States of America was founded upon Christian ethics mm -hmm. and a Judeo-Christian worldview that we believe people have been created in the image of God, that every person should be uh, treated with dignity and value and worth. Why? Well, because the God of the Bible has set it up that way. And so anyone that claims those things is stealing from us. Mm -hmm. And it's so important for people to know that. Yeah, it is important. Now, and now you can go to an extreme when you have people who are like, well, now that I know the truth, I've got to cram the truth <laughs> down. <laughs> who does your, that? Your throat, I don't know. Right? I don't know anybody who does that. That, that, uh, that there are some people, um, and I know, I, I, and it's interesting because, you there there are some people who will stand on a on a box on a sidewalk yeah. and they'll talk and let everybody pass them by right and, and never really engage right mm -hmm. but then there are people who will set up tables and like specifically please engage with me um and and I I do know I mean I was probably like this in college and I've definitely known plenty of people who felt like it was their calling to engage, to try yeah. to argue someone. I mean, yep, good gracious, yep. I knew people that felt like they had to go date this person to convert. Like there was all <laughs> the, the different mindsets. The whole missionary of, dating right, angle? Yeah, to, Not to a good idea. Argue, yeah. to convince, to debate, whatever, to convert people. Yeah. And that's never, it's never really worked, right? But anyway, I, what, what do you say to people who feel like they've been called to do that? To, yeah argue someone into faith, which that, that just makes yeah. you laugh even saying that. I know but. it's, it's, yeah, it's silly and it's ridiculous. Um, I would say, first off, you need to listen to this upcoming week's sermon because I'm actually talking about this. this is a great question. I'm, I'm, I've been working on the sermon the last couple of days oh, and I'm talking about this in the sermon because Jesus goes on in John 16 to talk about the Holy Spirit. And he talks about how the Holy Spirit's job is to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. So the Holy Spirit's job is to prove the world to be wrong. Mm. He's the one that exposes guilt. He's the one that shows a person that they're truly a sinner. And he, the work of convincing is on him. It's not on us, okay? So yeah, listen to this upcoming week's sermon. Hopefully it'll help you. But, but I also, I just jotted down what you said. No one has ever argued anyone into the kingdom of God. Right. So why would you think you're going to be the first one, you know, like... <laughs> Yeah. That's, it's what drives me crazy about so much of what I see on social media. Yeah. It's like, why are you wasting time posting that and then getting all up in the comments and arguing with, like, you really think you're going to argue someone in? You're not. Yeah. 
and you're just wasting your time and you're making the rest of us look bad. So please stop doing that. It's yeah. so ineffective. Were you going to say something else? No, just well, if you can argue someone in, someone smarter than you can argue them out. It, yeah. it, it, it's, <laughs> such a a bad, it's such a bad policy. Yeah, that is a good word. Bad well, practice. I was thinking about how to practically answer this question and, and I pulled a text that I don't remember. It, this has been several months ago. I actually read it and talked about it on the podcast just briefly. I pulled it back out because this is where my mind went. And I don't know, this is one of those texts we probably just all need to memorize because it's that significant and important. It's 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26. And Paul writes this, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, mm. able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So here's what I wrote down, just, and I'm copying Paul. I'm just saying what he said, okay? Number one, uh, if you're that person who just wants to argue and fight and, and whatever, what do you do? Well, you start by being kind to everyone, mm. to everyone. And I was just thinking of categories, and you kind of brought some up earlier. So Democrats, you got to be kind to Republicans, and Republicans, you need to be kind to the Democrats, and you need to be kind to those people that belong to those other sexual orientations, even though you disagree with them. And it's like, I don't know, man, we, we got to be really careful about compartmentalizing and going, okay, I'm right, and those people are wrong, so now I'm going to hate them. <laughs> and now I'm going to be rude to them, and now I'm going to berate them. It's like, that is not the calling on our lives as followers of Jesus. Yeah. The calling on our lives is to disagree and be kind, to disagree and to be compassionate, mm -hmm. to love, right? All these things, and, and so I'll keep going, that is still our responsibility, mm -hmm. to disagree and to be kind people. Secondly, you need to be a student. You know, one of the lines that stuck out to me is that the Lord's servant must be able to teach. And if you're gonna be able to teach, just to explain foundational components of Christianity, doctrines of Christianity, then you have to learn. Uh, you cannot teach unless you've learned, so we have to be students. There's a branch of theology called apologetics, and apologetics is all about defending Christianity. Um, it's when people set out to defend the faith, and I do think there's a place for this, all oh, right? Sure, sure. That as believers in Jesus Christ, we need to know why we believe what we believe. We need to be able to articulate that, we need to be able to have really intelligent, logical conversations about our faith. But Will, here is what I have found, and I'm curious to know if you've seen the same. I have found that people who don't really know how to do that, to speak intelligently about their faith or to have logical conversations about their faith, I have found that these are the people who tend to be the most argumentative. <laughs> yeah. Because think about it, man. When, when you're not sure of something, but you want someone to really believe that thing that you believe, your only option is to get loud and to get angry and to argue. You know, if, if you're sure of it and you can explain it and you can lay it out in a logical, well, there's no need to argue because it's, just, well, let me tell you, man, let me tell you. But if you don't know how to do that, then it's mm -hmm. like, no, I just got to yell at you to try mm -hmm. to convince you that what I'm saying is right. And again, that is a very, very, very poor approach to what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. yeah. It does not work. You want to jump in? Well, no, I mean, Peter says that, right? And, and, and uh, is it First Peter, Second Peter 3.15? First uh, Peter three fifteen, when he says that that we're supposed to be able to give a defense right to our faith, apologia is the word mm -hmm. in the Greek. Yeah, yep, yeah, that yeah, yeah. Th that's all I was gonna say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I'll just say practically too to be a good student. I, I think there's some things that you can do. 
I hit on these, maybe it was last week or the week before, you know, come to church, sit under the teaching of God's word. And, and when you come man, bring a journal, bring a notepad with you, bring something, take notes, mm-hmm. write it down so that you can go back and, and read and, and really meditate upon what you're hearing. Get involved in a cross point group so that you can sit around with other believers and, and talk about the word, jump in on the cross point Institute. This is where we teach all of our Bible classes and theology classes so that you can provide a defense for your faith if and when necessary. A few more to these people. You need to be patient. Mm. And the way that Paul says this is so interesting to me. He said we need to patiently endure evil. And look, that does not mean we tolerate evil, that we give evil a pass, that, that we ignore it, that we entertain it. But he is calling us here to be patient with evil people. One thing that I have come to realize about evil people is they typically don't change overnight. There are stories like that, praise God. Just miraculous conversion stories where an evil person meets Jesus and everything is radically different. You know, the Apostle Paul, great example of that. I've got friends, these are their stories. But I think for a lot of people, it's a process of change. And we've just got to be really, really patient with that process. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is this. Don't give up on people too quickly, okay? Like, don't think that because they're not listening to you that you got to argue harder or you got to grow impatient. Mm. Now, sometimes it requires greater patience. Yeah. Like, I remember I have a friend in our church um, prayed for his father-in-law to come to faith in Jesus Christ, and his, and his father-in-law didn't come to know Christ until he was 80 years old. Years and years and years and years of patience and prayer. So instead of arguing, maybe you need to pray and just ask yeah. the Lord to do a work in their life. Yeah. Uh, two more thoughts. You need to be gentle, Paul says. And uh, this is something, full confession, I'm not great at this. <laughs> I, I was hanging out with a dude Friday having lunch, and I told him I don't think anyone's ever described me as a gentle person. James Griffin, he's just so gentle. Um, but I've, I've wanted to grow in gentleness, and I've, I've prayed that God would do this. I think my daughters are helping but we have to be gentle toward people, not argumentative, and then we have to be aware. And by aware, I mean, we have to be aware of what Paul says at the end of these verses, that people are not the enemy, but they have been captured by the enemy to do his will. This awareness matters so much because if you think of that person that you're ready to argue with as someone who has been captured by the devil to do his will, then it allows you to do the rest of the things we've talked about. If you're like, okay, the enemy has his hooks in this person. He has his claws in this person. They are in bondage. They can't see what they can't see. They don't know what they don't know. Well, when you're aware of that, then you can be kind. And then you can offer sound explanations. And then you can be patient. And then you can be gentle. So this awareness is so, so key. So I would just say again to the person that, that struggles with this, you're not the Holy Spirit. Don't try to do his job. Memorize 2 Timothy 2, 24 through 26 and strive by the power of the Holy Spirit to be that person. Mm. I think the patient thing is, is, is huge because, and you said, don't give up, people, don't give up on people too quickly. And I, I, maybe don't give up on people, period. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, because that's, right. how, <laughs> that's how we deal ultimately with evil people is that we don't quit. We continue to pray. Yeah. The Holy Spirit breaks, uh, breaks their heart. Um, but it, it, it does require, I mean, boundaries, right? Yeah. Patience. Yep. And, and recognizing that, you know, we were once there to yeah. a degree, that yep. um, it may take more time for this individual. And, I, and, and we both know stories, and I think we've shared it on the podcast before, of people who I never in a million years thought oh, would yeah. 
would find Jesus and, yeah. and to, to see radical change. Like, wow, that was a miracle yeah. in and of itself. That's crazy. Well, here's what's cool, man. Sunday night, we did that big resurrection celebration here. Yeah, yeah. It's beautiful. We baptized some of those people that you're talking That's about, right. bro. That's right. There were people getting in those tubs on Sunday night that other people never thought would ever be in that yeah. tub. Yeah. And it's just a testament of what God can do in the life of a person. And yeah. so, yeah, keep, can, yeah, keep praying and be patient. Yeah, that's right. And, and so you don't have to be argumentative. Yeah. But you just be patient as yeah. they continue to not make great choices. <laughs> but <laughs> And it's so hard. Pray. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and pray. Yeah. Give it to God. All right. One of the things you said was the, the true pressure of witnessing is on the Holy Spirit, not you. Yeah. Right. Which is really what we're talking about. Right. So our job is not to... Our job is to just bear witness, yep, right? Yep. So what does it mean to, how do we do that? What does it yeah. mean to really relentlessly pursue those far from God in that way? Yeah. Well, I just wrote down a statement, words and works. So how do we bear witness and how do we pursue people? We do it by words and we do it by works. Uh, we say what is true and we show what's true. We open our mouths and we share the good news of the gospel and then we turn around and we live lives that are worthy of the gospel. So this is not an either or, it is a both and, all right? Bearing witness, providing testimony about Jesus in his world requires both words and works. And I'll, I'll put some more language around that. You know, my mind went to James chapter two. I, I Over the last couple of days of my devotional time, I've been reading through the book of James. So this was fresh on my mind. But in James chapter two, James, the half brother of Jesus, talks about faith without works. That faith without works is dead. Mm. Now you could say you have faith, but if you see a brother or sister in need and you do nothing to help, that's dead faith. And he's like, can that faith save anyone? And, and the answer is obviously no. And so here's the simple point that he's making. You can say all day long that you believe, but if you don't show your belief in Jesus Christ through your works, you can't expect anyone else to believe because that is a dead faith. Yeah. Like, and I think we live in a culture where this is far too prevalent, you know, yeah. here in the Bible Belt South where everybody has enough church experience to be a little dangerous. You, yeah. We see it like, oh, no, no, no. I, oh, I believe in Jesus. I prayed a prayer when I was eight years old and I didn't want to go to hell. And then the person's been living like hell ever since. And that is a dead faith. And that kind of faith doesn't save people nor does it help anyone else to come to salvation. Right, that, false gospel, yeah. That's Yeah, it's a hypocritical faith. Mm. Um, and so you can't just have words without works, all right? right? But you also can't have works without words. Right. Have you ever heard that old saying? Oh, I, here it the, comes. The quote, you know the yeah, quote I'm yeah, getting yeah, at? Yeah, yeah, And it's wrongly attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. Oh, I was going to attribute we, it to we, him. We don't, so. I don't, most, most scholars don't believe he's the guy who said it, but a lot of times it, it shows up with his name attached. Um, the quote, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Yes. Oh, and that sounds so good, but... It makes no sense. I used to say this all the time, and yeah. somebody finally called me out on it. I was, I was like, <laughs> who, do you remember who called you? No, I don't know. Just some random person told that's me. So Doesn't the Bible say we're supposed to use yeah. like faith by hearing? I was like, oh, that's a good point. That's yeah. right. Well, and you're kind of going where I'm going. Yeah. You know, It's like the gospel, by definition, is news. Right, right. And so how do we share news without words? Well, you can't. And you just said it. You know, Romans 10, 17 talks about how faith comes by hearing. And how are people going to hear and believe if, if there's no one to tell them, if right. there's no one to preach this good news? And so we can't just perform good works and think, well, that's enough. Well, I'll just do these nice things for people, and that's enough. They'll figure it out. I'll just do these random acts of kindness, and people will figure out what they need to believe. It's like, no, they're not. Yeah. Um, we need to show the gospel, but we also need to say it. Mm -hmm. 
We need to tell people, you are a sinner who needs a savior, and Jesus is the savior that you need. And he came into the world to do what you couldn't do for yourself. And by his life, death, and resurrection, he's pulled it all off. There's coming a day when he's going to return and set things right in his world, and you can be a part of that by grace, through faith, in him alone. There has to come a point where we open our mouths and we say that good news, but in saying it, we have to live lives that make sense of it. So that's what I mean when I say we have to live a life worthy of the gospel. If we're going to say all that, this is who Jesus is, and this is what he's done, and this is what he will one day do, well, people should be able to stack our life up against that message, and, and it makes sense. They go, okay, I, I see that in them. Okay, they're saying that, and they're showing it, and that makes sense. It's like if you were to, you know that old school scale thing yeah. where <laughs> yeah. it's not like the scales we have today, but... Scales of justice. What yeah. It, it kind of had two platforms on yeah, either side. Balance yeah, the yeah. It. That's what our life should do with the gospel. People should be able to put our life on one side and the gospel on the other, and it all balance out. Mm. And so the way that we do that is through surrender to the lordship of Jesus Christ. In faith and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we bring every, uh, every area of life under his lordship. We do life his way, which ultimately aligns us with the life that we have been created to live. That results in joy. The world gets to see that joy. And as that's going on, the Holy Spirit is at work behind the scenes convincing people of the truth. And so he's pointing them to what we're saying. And he's going, you got to believe that. And then he's pointing people to our lives. And he's like, hey, you're, you're meant to live like that. So again, the, the pressure of pursuing is on us, if I can say it that way. And pursuing, you ask, what, what does it look like to relentlessly pursue? We pray for people. We build friendships with people and, and not superficial ones, but actual friendships. We serve people. I think we need to, to listen well. Good missionaries are good listeners. So the pressure of pursuing people in that way is on us. Yeah. But the pressure of convincing people of what is true, that is on the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And that is a job we leave in his hands. Yeah. And again, more on that in this weekend's sermon. So oh, I hope that's you'll good, that's good. come back and listen. Yeah. Well, one, I mean, one of our one of our convictions, right, is that everyone needs a second chance. Right. And so it, it is it is that third chance, fourth chance, that patience, that that never never giving up. Yeah. And leaving the real work to the Holy Spirit. Right. But daily making the choice to to live like Jesus. Right? Yeah. To, to, to put the truth of the gospel in front of them in our words and in our deeds. That's right. That's yep. good stuff. Well, and, and just to go back to where we started so I can encourage everyone, okay? And if you do that, some people are going to hate you for it. Yeah. And you just got to come to grips with that. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah, that's the right thing to do. That's right. Mm, that's good. All right. Well, that's a good place to, to, to stop today. So thank you guys for listening. As you go, we want you to know that we love you. We're here for you. And we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Pursuit with James Griffin. Be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you'll never miss an episode. If you have questions about the message, the scriptures, or faith in general, you can send them to us by texting the word QUESTION to the number 22722. For more information about our church or this podcast, please visit crosspointcity.com or follow us online at crosspointcity. If you found value in this podcast, we would love it if you took time to like it and share it with a friend. Doing that will help more people know and follow Jesus. And finally, we want to invite you to join us each week for one of our gatherings in person or live on YouTube. We hope to see you soon.